The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, boys and girls. This is Chris Britton here, uh, creator of The Line, writer and director of this episode sort of um yes because things are changing things are a changing in the line and with me we have the wonderful miss m sierra garcia co-writer hello m hello and we hello. Al- we also have new to the commentaries but here for good uh is the wonderful the uh, exceptional mr joel rowan come to the church who is assistant director on this episode. Hello, Joel. All in Hello. Good time, How's it going? All in good time. It's going okay. Um, we've, we, we've fought, we've battled, we have, uh, we've worked very hard to find a time where all three of us can sit down in front of our computers to record because we're in three different time zones. Um, not quite the furthest away from each other we could be. One of us could live in Australia and then I think this would actually be totally impossible. I think one of us might have an aneurysm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Um, anyway, welcome to episode uh, episode five, the first in a three-part um, episode called Conchero, which means twins. And we kick off with a scene set from the far past with um, uh, Cecile giving birth to Steph and Tom, uh, which is sort of here to give a context to their lives to prove that they were born why is this scene here em i don't remember um because you wanted to torture marley okay okay good fine um well, no, <laughs> the original when we originally started putting this together we needed to really go back and give a little bit more detail because when we started the show you met the twins and boom you went off so th- this is really kind of to build up some of that back information that you really need to have about the two of them. Yes, I think yeah, you, yes. Tom and Steph. So where there's no better place to begin than the beginning. One last push. <laughs> Having seen twins be born? Well done, Marley. That's, that's pretty much how my sister-in-law was screaming. So, nice. Excellent. Yeah, I, I did think this was a particularly good scene. Joel, you you got all the sound effects for this one, didn't you? Uh, yeah, actually, I think. Which is good because I had no baby sound effects at all, so I'm very impressed that you found one that sounds pretty convincing. It it's just a generic baby crying. You didn't go out and find a baby and like beat it up a bit to get the sound effect. That's been done. <laughs> It's it's okay. It's okay if you did. No no one no one's gonna no one's gonna think any worse of you. No, actually, no. I didn't. I don't know anybody with a little baby. No, oh, so you couldn't even go and beat one up if you wanted to. It's fine. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty much. See, I think on Star Wars, I think on Star Wars, it was somebody's little nephew or little brother or little son, and he just let me take the baby for a little while and record him. Yeah, that and was that's, um, Bill's, was it Bill's? Uh, where is like going? nephew, I think. They were great. They were fantastic sounds, and I, I just and remember hearing that on the commentary. Superman. Thank you, Amy. Um, yes. It was uh, Tom's daughter being born that he used for um, Baby Cow. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, I was thinking for a moment there that you were talking about like the uh, the the Star Wars films, and I was thinking, when are the babies in the Star Wars films? But no. <laughs> 
We're talking about Star Wars Blue Harvest and Superman the Last Son of Krypton. Other yeah, pendant shows. Yeah, there's babies in the bad Star Wars movies. There That's are, aren't there? They, they get brought out of her by the big scoop robot. I know, I know. Right, the are, big no soothing scooper. Yeah. Stupid robot from crappiest movie ever. Yeah, and then she dies from a broken heart. Anyway, we're not here to talk about Star Wars um, too much anyway. A, a little bit is fine. Yes. Um, no, I like this scene. Um, I think I, I think it was important to give it context to kind of like that, you know, these two characters. We haven't really seen Cecile and Paul in any context other than religious fuckwits. Um, especially but, not since the But as you listen, it's, you know. When just they're not fuckwits at all. No. It's amazing. No, it's like they're normal people. It's lovely. It's nice to have that. Again, it's part of the whole process of really getting to understand these people. Because all we did, we met twins, one incredibly, you know, rebellious, one being a closeted gay boy, and the other one, the parents just being, what you said, big giant religious fuckwits. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was intimated in the first episode that that had been quite a new occurrence in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and up to that point, they may have been slightly better parents. But, um, yeah, I think it is nice to see them. And, and Marley and Pete have such great chemistry. It's quite fun to be able to write them together happy and in a better time in their lives. And I also thought, what better opportunity to resurrect Amy Jones from her uh, current solitude from the episodes. Mm. Um, as a very young doctor. So, Joel, how are you finding directing on the line? Episode five. Okay, can, I guess. You can be honest. <laughs> but no, it's just it's it's just directing. I still have to go out. Well, lately, no spoilers, but lately I've been having to go and try and find the weirdest sound effects ever. We'll get into that later. Yes, we will. I, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> I did have some fun finding some really neat sound effects, though. I'm quite proud of one particular one, but I will point that out when it comes up. That's, that's for another time. That is one of the best things about doing these shows, is when you do find the right soundtrack or the right piece of music. It is the most exciting fucking thing ever. Mm-hmm. So we jump into um, the next scene here where uh, we have Amy, Tom and Phil which and this has been talked about in uh, episodes 3 and 4 that Amy was working with Tom to try and recover his lost memories mm-hmm. um, as you've uh, I hope already listened to the episode um, listeners um, if you haven't go and listen to it but anyway um, you'll know that these memories do start coming back in this episode possibly thanks to the work that Amy has been doing possibly due to other forces um, dun, dun, dun. Yes, I know. this is ridiculous we need to sleep all right all right fine and this built up a weird trio for me and you'll find in the next few episodes actually Amy Tom and Phil kind of tend to hang out together a bit um, and I don't really know how that came about. It's just like it just kind of worked because I, I I think that uh, you know Tom and Christopher, Tom Stitzer and, and Chris Stutter play off each other very well. And then adding Kim to that mix, and they all kind of like just gelled along. It's like cool, all right. Well, Amy's going to be their mate now. It is midnight. I'm officially 18. You're no longer a statutory rapist. 
And he has the greatest delivery on that, too. I'd forgotten about that line. Oh, God bless no. Chris. I think this is a lost Fucking comedy. hilarious. I don't even know why. It was just, and it was precious that it was that. the moment that we all stopped talking that that line was, ah! Yes, clearly it was meant to be. I don't even want to remember. I think at one point there was a much longer discussion about in here about, like, obviously, you know, the fact that Phil is, like, 19 or 20 and, 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 and Tom's 17 and therefore technically... Their sex is illegal and, and and just how ridiculous that is. Um, but I think that the whole conversation just got cut out and it was just condensed into that single line. So you can read into that as much as you like. <laughs> oh bless! No! No! Tom! No! No! Tom! Tom, are, are you okay? What? Chris has some high-pitched screaming. Oh, this one. I forgot about this bit. Yeah, this bit's fucking I, creepy. I giggled when I first read this. I realized how creepy it sounds, but the prayer, it's just so... Card-carrying villain. Yeah, yes you know? it is. <laughs> what did you say? Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. <laughs> it's that kind of just, you know, we are not good at Oh, fuck the forces of light! <laughs> Before they just became Hell the bro- <laughs> Before they just became the Brotherhood of Mutants, and they took the evil out of it, so they didn't give it away to anyone. <laughs> well, there for a while they were still calling themselves evil, but uh, it was an ironic evil. <laughs> All right, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah. Um, brilliant. It's actually based on um, Xarar various satanic versions of the Lord's Prayer and it's kind of nicking from several versions of that so I know it is quite over the top but it is reasonably accurate into things that have been written like hundreds of years ago what the fuck is going on (laughs) which is worrying I remember the church Father Jacob it's all been planted in the beginning oh no Amy do this? Are you making know. fun of his pain? Um, I am a little bit, yeah. Right. But, but but considering, you know, we were responsible for writing and then recording his pain, I think it's it's okay. It's allowed. Poor <laughs> Chris. Chris Dotter, who has a built-in studio in his house. Does he really? Yeah, he built a wee studio in his basement. David, um, David Alt's recorded in it. I have not had the pleasure as of yet. That's amazing. I wish I had a recording studio. I currently have a desk in my living room. A living room which has the highest ceiling in the world, so it's almost impossible to make it sound like I'm not recording in a bloody church hall. (laughs) I built a box, a little spongy box to put around my... um... I just have this image of you in a cardboard box now. Just going, yay, I built it! Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Well done. I'm very, very proud of you and your box. I'm proud of my box, too. Oh, no. Okay. Let's... let's... (laughs) Far too early. (laughs) Fuck it out. It is far too late. Wow, ten minutes in. (laughs) I know. 
It took just a long time to get to it. I just wanted to let you know my progress Now this scene, this is interesting. We can talk about the show for a bit. This scene um was originally in episode three or four. I can't remember which one. But it came it came in the middle of the Scientology episode. And when it went across to Bernadette for editing, she basically said it doesn't fit at all. Mm. Um, and I'm, I was kind of in there because I wanted, I've wanted this scene for ages. I wanted this because we've been hinting at the idea that Kitty and Amy Jones have had something going on ever since what occurred at the hospital all the way back in season one. Um, and we've been hinting at it. I wanted this scene for ages, but I've been putting it off, putting it off, and it fell in there. But it didn't fit. It just kind of broke up the Scientology and the the storyline that was going on at the church there. So it got bumped up to here. But I actually think, I hope anyway, that coming straight after the obviously the Tom scene, it sort of works quite well. It does because it it there was a there was a specific flow for the Scientology one that it just kind of was like a weird speed bump. Yeah, it's I I it, we it kept our flow better if we had just kind of repositioned it into a different script. Yes, I agree. Yeah, cat prides on absolute fury form. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, she's become a serious badass. Not that she wasn't a serious badass before, but like it's ramping up to this moment where she's just going to be like the ultimate badass. Yeah, I definitely think there is badassery in the future. Honestly, mm, indeed, ass of extreme badness. Basic hypnotherapy techniques and psychotropic drugs. There's quite a lot of exposition going on in this scene. We only just finished an hour or so ago. Same as last week, so. So. Well, so indeed. (laughs) These scenes, I mean, you know. It's the build-up. It is the build-up. They're not so hard. I don't know. I can't remember if I did this or Joel did this, but these ones are not so bad. Did you do this one? Yes, and I was very worried that no one would be able to hear what is going on over the sound effects. Well, I don't think that's what happens. Well, we'll find out in a minute. <laughs> no, I think it all... I, mean, I quite like the motel scenes, though, because you can just stick, like, you know, the general motel sound effects behind it and then just have people chatting and the odd bit of movement and stuff. But it's, mm-hmm. um, and then she got to use the sound of a toilet. That's always exciting. It's not often in audio drama you get to use the sound of a toilet. But you thought she was here to bring about the end of the world. Toilet, somebody washing their hands, and I searched forever trying to find the sound effect of somebody sitting up and then getting out of bed. Oh, those sorts of sounds are horrible, aren't they, to try and get those. I, the, the, I feel your pain. The basic, normal sound effects, you can't find anything. No. Mmm, I smell moneymaker. Well, the, I mean, you could record them and then put them on a CD and make people pay. I think the thing is, when you listen to other contemporary audio dramas, say from the BBC, and my example would be The Archers, considering you know five episodes of that a week, um, those sorts of sound effects they all come sort of live in the Foley room. Mm-hmm. So if someone walks over to someone and gives them a hug, that's all done in the Foley room, and it's it's very very subtle. 
um, I think there is more of a feeling um, amongst old-time radio audio dramatists such as ourselves, no matter what style of audio drama we're making, I mean, I wouldn't really consider the line old-time radio because we're trying to make it sound more like a movie than uh, than an actual radio serial. But to try and we try and use actual things that sound very clear what's going on, but stuff like getting out of bed, rolling around in bed, um, just like breathing. Breathing is such a problem. The fact that everyone goes silent in between each line, and that's very hard to balance off against that. Um, I think the only other way I've ever thought about doing it is have everyone record their lines, but you keep everything in between, so you keep all their own individual breathing in between, and you layer them on top of each other, but I think that would be such a fucking nightmare to do. Carry on a Sift through an audio file like that for uh, for Blue Harvest, and it's a nightmare trying to find something good. Yeah. Well, yeah. not trying to find something good. Yeah, it's hard. No matter, you know. No, it is. It, it is. It is really a challenge. Um, yeah. Um, back there, we just we had a little bit of Nicole, who we haven't seen in a little while as well. So you know. I'm a bit biased about Nicole because she's played by my wife. <laughs> so, and I I love her voice. I love Bex's voice. Well, so do I. It was just it was so lovely to hear her. And she plays she plays Nicole so well. It's in a in a in a scene that's about to come up in an episode. I feel like I'm kind of intruding on something special between Nicole and um and lovely Kitty Shadow. They just they played off each other very well, having not recorded together or been in the same country. It just they were they're both so comfortable with the mic so comfortable with themselves and the characters. That's really lovely to listen to. Oh, I agree. I was quite amazed that I got her to play actually because she doesn't listen to the show. So. No, so she's not going to hear all this. No, no, not of any mean way. It's just like she's pretty fucking busy. She's just kissing her ass for no reason. She's got her own um, own shit going on and and, and stuff. And you know, fine. Um, I, I talk about it all the time anyway. No, no, no. I'll I'll, I'll tell her, I'll tell her you were lovely. Um, but I'm very pleased to have her in there, and I do think her and Kat have great chemistry, crazy vocal chemistry. As do Miss Tonya Malevich and Kristen Bays, who we finally get the full-on physical, vocal, verbal confrontation we've been waiting for. We haven't heard them argue since that when when they were in in English class. Yes, uh, season one, episode nine. Yeah, love that one. Yeah, so that has been a while. But this one's much more. It's this one's fueled from fear instead of fueled from bitchiness. Well, it is. There's a lot of stuff going on with D that we haven't talked about in any way, shape, or form. We will be talking about it in graphic detail next episode. But as for the moment, um, whatever is going on with D is a secret. We're gonna have to wait a whole month to talk about it. Yes. <gasps> oh, damn. Yes, yes, we are. Um, that's good. Well done. Not that we're recording all the commentaries today. No! <laughs> no! 
don't spoil the illusion. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Who in their right mind would consider recording all of their commentaries at the same time? <laughs> no one I know, surely. I'm really pleased with how this came off. I'm very, I think, um, I think Chris's righteous anger is, I don't know, rings kind of true to me. And I tried to write in all the things I could possibly think that Chris would ever felt, uh, that uh, D would ever felt resentful um, of Steph for. And then she finally hits her. Now I'm listening. So. I know, I know, we shouldn't do that. And then play. Well, yeah, but mainly the scene's just playing around the idea of 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 D being torn between these two parts of herself, which are at at at, at war over her personality. And yeah, you know, it's it, it's also the 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 conscious part of her realizing that she is losing control of this other side. And, I mean, loss of control in one self and one's being is a huge, huge conflict. So Kristen carries it off beautifully. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. And she gets punched into a pile of boxes at the end. Piles of boxes, that's another thing that's quite hard to find. Really? Yeah, yeah. Piles of crates, that's fine. Piles of tin cans, you can get those. Glass, oh, shitloads of glass. But a pile of boxes, something that sounds real, but that sounds like it's not going to have hurt that much. Mm-hmm. And now we jump into the final scene, which goes on for the rest of the episode, um, and that is the flashback of Tom's life. Dun, dun, dun. Um, which I'm, I'm glad. Oh, I like that piece of music, by the way, that we had in that scene. I'm afraid I can't remember what the fuck it was. Ah, uh, but I promise I'll look it up and I'll let you know next month. Um. <laughs> it, it, it's all in the credit information anyway. I know, I know. Terrible, terrible. We could just leave a pause right now and you could just plug it in. <laughs> the track so was called... That's fantastic. Yes, I think I... <laughs> I love them. They're awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, we finally they get to hear Tom's opposite reaction to, uh, to the, after Steph gets hit by the... Um, by the bus at the very start of the series. Let me tell you, what you don't want to do is you want to you don't want to passively listen to the show because I was not feeling well today, but I wanted to keep listening, so I was taking a wee nap while listening to the line, and it was these particular episodes that had kind of faded in, and it, it'll fuck up your dreams, especially this part. And there's a couple others that I remember waking up thinking, what the hell? And then it dawned on me, oh, yeah. So you need to listen to the ones with the sexy parts in. Yeah, that fucks up your dreams, too. In a good way. Mm, yeah. <laughs> up fucks your dreams. <laughs> How does one up... Never mind. No. <laughs> I'm not nearly drunk enough. Oh, we don't have... Well, you know what? For the fact that it's like six in the morning where you are, almost seven. Yeah. It's two in the morning where I am, almost yep. two. Joel, what time is it in your world? Um, almost midnight. See, it's not. It's all. It's still Friday where you are. 
<laughs> Damn it, Joel, you're on a different day. You're on a whole different day. It was really not conducive to having a beverage, an adult beverage. Damn it. I could have gone out and gotten loaded and come back. Ooh, I'll do that for next time. Well, I did drink quite a lot of wine between about 7 o'clock yesterday and 4 in the morning, so I think I'm still pretty, pretty, pretty happy. You're still well marinated. I think so, yeah. I think I, in fact, I should start to enter a hangover stage in the next two hours, so that'll be fun for everyone involved. Yeah. Talk a little softer then. No, it's fine. I'm tough. <laughs> Ish. Ish. Bless. Michael King back as Father Jacob, sounding creepier than ever. Yikes, could does he do creepy? I know. I, lo- I love Michael King's voice as well, and he's played some lovely roles in other shows. And then I've <laughs> cast him as this absolute dick. <laughs> Manipulative bastard. He's got that perfect tone of, oh, I do care about you as long as you fulfill what I need to be done, and then I'm going to kill you. It'll be fine. Here, have a cookie. So as we head towards the end of this 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 little uh, episode, and Bishop Francis enters, and it's always fun to have Michael Hudson around. Um, all right, we're going to play a new game, I think, in these commentaries. Now there's three of us. What is your favourite part of each episode? So, um, Joel, as the newbie, you can begin. What's your favourite part of this episode and why? And it could be something you directed, if there was a reason for that, or, or something else. Go ahead. Um, I know, put you on the spot. Sorry. <laughs> well, actually, it's a little embarrassing to see I didn't get a chance to listen to this episode. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Don't worry, that is a long-standing tradition amongst line commentaries. It's fine. <laughs> Until, like, right now. This is the first time I've heard any of this stuff after uh, scene four with um, uh, Kitty and Amy. Brilliant. So what did you think of the episode then, Joel? <laughs> He's fitting him beautifully. <laughs> My favorite part. Wow. It would probably be that scene four, just because the stereo stuff I actually, for once, thought to put in. Yeah, no, the stereo stuff sounded great. And that's one of the hardest things to do, actually, is to make it sound like people are moving around in different places and to have it not sound like you just faded them. And it really Mm -hmm. doesn't. That scene sounds great. So, okay, good. M, what about you? Yes? What is your favourite bit of this episode? Any bit that doesn't have me in it, because I sound like shit. Okay, well, that's not an answer that I'm going to accept. Try again. <sighs> okay. Um, I actually, I quite like this back section, because it is a whole lot of information about Tom. Because we, we don't have anything from his point of view, and he is he's integral. He's very integral, and we have very little info on him, so I... From a story point of view, I quite like that. But then, from an acting point of view, all the acting is fantastic. But um, the Kitty and D, you know, knockdown drag out, fantastic. Really, my favorite scene. Cool. Okay. Um, I think. And Chris. Yes. What's your favorite scene? Oh, and- a little introduction, aren't you sweet? Oh. Um, yeah, uh, I think for me it's the Stephen D fight. 
because I've been waiting for that for such a long time, and it was so cool to build up to that. And uh, and 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 Tanya and Chris, and I knew they were going to be on fire, and they were on fire, and it just made me very very happy. Um, so hey, kids, we're back. We're back with a new commentary. Isn't this exciting? Oh, we're going to have four happy fans, the four people who nag me every single month. Oh, where's, ha- the, where's the new commentary? Yes. Um, Should I tweet to everyone that commentaries will happen? Um, no, no, no. Let it be a surprise. Okay. Let it be a surprise. It's a surprise I'll, now. <laughs> I'll tweet that we're never doing commentaries ever again. No, don't do that. That will just upset people. Oh. We only want to aggravate people over political and moral issues. Stupid Italy. Not facts. Yes, we're not. Stupid Congress. We're not talking about Italy or Congress yet. Fucking Tea Party. We may. <laughs> we may talk about the Tea Party. We haven't talked about the Tea Party in the line. The Tea Party haven't popped up in any scripts, and I feel oh, they should please. be mentioned at some some point. I cannot wait to write to help write a script about the most disastrous thing that ever happened to the American society ever. The hunt. Not that I have an opinion. No, no, no. You don't. You, I can tell. You, you're pretty chilled out about the whole thing, really, aren't you? Jackasses. They're jackholes. <laughs> anyway, so hey, we're back. Commentaries. We are back. Thank you very much, Em and Joel. As always, if you listeners have any comments or criticisms or questions, you can address them to thelinehq at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, the Line Boy. You can find the show on Twitter at the Line Live. You can find Em on Twitter at Sierra, and you can find Joel on Twitter at Joel. What are you on Twitter? Not even, not, <laughs> totally even, yes, awesome. not even listening to Chris. Sorry. It's all right. It's fine. I'm, I'm used to it. I'm on Twitter. I am Carter's Alter Ego. Carter's Alter Ego. We're going to have to ask, quiz you about why you're Carter's <laughs> Alter Ego at some point. Is that a Family Guy reference? No, not to my knowledge. Why are you... Okay. You know what? Let's talk about it now. Why are you Carter's <laughs> Alter Ego? You have one and a half oh, minutes to tell us what. Yeah. Go. Oh, I had come up with the name John Carter for a character and years and years ago, and for some reason I just suddenly started using that as this weird internet alias. Like, if any time I was asked to put my name, I would put that name instead of my real name, especially if I didn't trust the place. So I just sort of became this weird internet alter ego that's actually exactly like me. So you are John Carter. Yes, but I've never actually been to Mars. No. Sadly. That is a shame. They're remaking that, aren't they, John Carter of Mars? I was reading in my movie magazine this month. Yes, that's, that's the only reason why I bring it up, because I had actually saw, seen the teaser. It you know what's bad? I was just Terminator. <laughs> no, that's John, John Connor. Connor! Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Totally different franchises. Well, okay. Well, there you go, everyone. You now can find Joel on Twitter, and you can also uh, you know the reason for why he's called what he is. How exciting! Um, that's it. That's that's a wrap. So, as I said, thank you very much. Thank you for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. We'll be back next month with another commentary, and uh, we hope that there will be no more breaks in these little tete-a-tetes that we have now. Um, I know. Bye bye, everybody. Bye. More information. Independentaudio.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) Fucking hell.
For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.